Hello and welcome to Rain City Bunker. This is episode 29. It's our annual Halloween special. That is the time where Greg and I, no matter what, we generally do get together on our on Halloween to do our podcast, even if we haven't done a podcast in a year, because our last podcast was Halloween of last year. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we've had busy lives, as we say every time we do a podcast. Andy moved. I moved. And I have... Um, a side project, which I usually have, and I got engaged. So Woo-hoo. very busy time for both of us. We're in a new bunker, yes, uh, undisclosed location, but <laughs> a new a new location it, for it's us. Good to move around so they can't find us. Yeah, keep them keep them wondering about us. So um, we're going to start right off. Uh, Greg has a couple of stories. That one is Halloween ish, and the other one he just is fascinating. It is an interesting story, so he wanted to tell it. Well, unfortunately, I didn't prepare as well as we usually do, <laughs> but uh, the first story was just something I ran across, uh, I think it was on Facebook. So many things nowadays you run across on Facebook. No, actually, it wasn't Facebook. It was another source. But My, Was it MySpace? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still on MySpace. <laughs> so, you know, we do our creature feature quite regularly, and so this was, I saw the headline that said, Bigfoot spotted in, Nor- in Michigan. So, uh, I couldn't resist that one. So, went to view it, and there's a wildlife camera set up somewhere, and I'm not sure where, but somewhere deep in the woods in Michigan, and a wildlife camera set up to watch eagles. It it was eagles or hawks hawks, or something like that. Some kind of of predatory bird, I think. And just incidentally, I guess they film all the time. The camera's on all the time. And this, this, um, this cam had appeared in the news prior to the the episode that Greg is going to talk about because unfortunately it was upsetting to a lot of viewers um mama eagle or hawk brought home a cat for <laughs> baby eagles or hawks to feed on well so, that's a clue so yeah. uh, i thought I, I was wondering and we'll find out how yeah. deep in the forest this is so yeah. if it brought we'll home a links, cat if it yeah. brought home a cat oh it might have been a lynx might have been a wild cat no i mean we'll put links to oh, the oh i'm sorry you <laughs> meant lynx the cat yeah no it was it was like a, a domestic they uh, think it was cat. a house yeah. cat yeah okay yeah. so that might be a clue that this may not be as deep in the woods right. as i right. was suspecting there are feral cats but yeah that's probably true so the camera's running often i don't know yeah. maybe all the time right and someone was watching the video and in the video they notice it's a very small part of the uh, the screen of the image. Imagine, I'll, I'll just if you don't mind, yeah. Greg, I'll just set it up. So imagine, so in the near the camera, so right next to the camera is the nest. So you can watch the activity in the nest, but you can see beyond in the background. You can see the forest and you know and the, some of the ground, some of the, the ground in the distance, yeah. and that's yes. where this this image yeah. takes place so it's kind of amazing but i guess you know the human eye is very attracted to movement so if you're yeah. watching something with that's very still we do tend to notice things that move right so someone was watching this footage and spotted this movement on the ground and it looks very much like a humanoid figure just kind of moving walking around and it, it gosh do you remember how long it's on the screen I, for just, about 30 seconds yeah, it's not that if, long if is that, it and it's kind of it's kind of like hopping it's a very shaggy looking thing humanoid thing it's definitely bipedal mm-hmm. it's not crawling around on all fours yeah. um i would say for sure it's not a bear 
it, the it, bears it was, can be trained to walk on yeah, two legs, do, but they do that for tricks. They don't do that in nature. And they nature. do sometimes stand up, but they don't usually move around on hind legs. Right, right. Um, now, so that led people to... Well, the people were saying that could be a Bigfoot sighting. Right. And I looked at it and I said, yeah, it could be. And something about the shagginess seemed very not human to me. Right. But right away, Andy pointed out to me that there's this thing called a... Gilly? A I think gilly. that's how you pronounce it. Gilly suit. And that's what hunters and snipers sometimes use to Military help snipers, camouflage yeah. themselves. Right. And it's... it's Imagine like uh, it's like a coat and pants that you put on usually, and it's it's burlap, and then they, they have imagine like strings, and it would almost look kind of like, like dreads. Fur. Yeah, like dreads almost. <laughs> Little dreads, like yeah, like uh, predator. Yeah, and then what hunters and snipers do is whatever local foliage they're in, they tend to add that to the ghillie suit. Mm-hmm. And I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I'm not sure if I am. That's kind of what it looked like to me because there's different. There's different variations that you can get, and there's like a jacket and pants that you can get. Now, I will say the way this thing or person or Bigfoot or whatever it is <laughs> is moving around does seem very like – it seems very much like a monkey. It's kind of hop leaping and – Yeah, it was kind yeah. of organic. It didn't yeah. seem like a per- – well, we were organic, but we seem <laughs> – we're yeah. civilized intelligent. It seemed yeah. – I mean, I should have watched it more than once, but it seemed – really kind of wild i guess yeah, wild is yeah. the term i would use yeah it when andy mentioned it could be the suit i wish i'd gone back and seen it but i'm gonna watch it again with that in mind right but it's it's such a tiny piece of the picture yeah so they zoom in for you when you're watching the video and it's pretty high resolution i mean you can tell it's a humanoid bipedal thing right but uh you can't see facial features or anything like that right, it was right. too far yeah. for for that my, you know, Occam's razor sort of kicks in, and I would say it was, it, in my opinion, I'd say it was either a hunter that inadvertently just wandered into the field of view of this camera, or somebody who knew about it, because like we said, it was yeah, a the, prankster, or, a prankster or something, or a Bigfoot. <laughs> I just thought of something. I wonder if someone has analyzed the footage to estimate the height of the oh, of yeah. the of the creature of the good question moving yeah living thing because bigfoot are famous for being big right yeah, they're right. seven feet or they're really and tall did you get the they're same a lot imp- taller than humans right did you get the same impression greg when i watched it it seemed like it was something small it, like it didn't did but like it was in the big. distance though that's true. so yeah, i was hard to so say. that's why i'm thinking now if anyone's gone back to kind of try to estimate yeah. based on the distance which right, they right. might be able to estimate because they know where the camera is right, and where right. that would have happened. Yeah. So that would be a good clue because right. if the thing walking around was seven foot yeah. <laughs> or six foot and a half or taller, yeah, that might make you wonder a little right, more, right. right? Because most average American males are around yeah. a little under six foot yeah. probably. Or, or, or you know the other weird thing I was thinking, if it, if it turns out to be like four foot tall, I would find it very hard to believe that a little kid would be running around. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. But or running a baby around Bigfoot. by themselves, yeah, or, or like some sort of primate that we don't know. About or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think Michigan is a hotbed of Bigfoot <laughs> sightings, is it? Um, you'd be surprised, actually. In the Upper it, Peninsula, yeah, yeah, because it's pretty remote up there. Right. It's in toward Canada, and Michigan has, you know, um, I I won't go down this road because we'd have to research it, and it's a it's a longer story. But have you heard of um, Michigan is known for weirdness. They have a lot of UFO sightings. Oh, that's yeah. actually, I believe it was Michigan that the swamp gas 
uh, it was a Michigan sighting that the swamp gas excuse Theory. was, was uh, first use floated. Oh, pardon okay. the okay. pardon the pun. But also, uh, they they're known, and Greg and I can dig into this and cover it more on another show. But the Dogman sightings, which are almost like werewolf type sightings. Oh, I don't remember this. That's or famously a, what the that the, Michigan. Yeah, it's in Michigan. Yeah, because uh, at work I I did a Michigan map. Yeah, and there's a lot of cities in southern Michigan, like yeah. Detroit, right. Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo. I mean, yeah. when I plot, I was amazed at all the cities in southern Michigan right. and up to Bay City, but yeah. North Michigan is pretty empty. Oh yeah, at least as far as it's it's very cities it, go. Yeah, it is. It's uh, or at least when when I was a kid and we were there, I remember my family went on a vacation, um, and it was in northern Michigan, and we stayed in a cabin, and it was it was out in the woods. Yeah, yeah. well, I know the Upper Peninsula is. Pretty Pretty sparsely popular. Yeah. So anyway, we'll post the video, yep. and you can decide for yourself if that's a Bigfoot or a hunter or a sniper or a prankster or a baby Bigfoot <laughs> or a young kid. Or a monkey man. Or a monkey man. <laughs> so anyway, we always like to have a little uh, discussion of unusual creatures that are sighted yes. around. Uh, and we're not we're not adverse to like a lot of our you know I was just thinking a lot of our creature feature stuff is they're, they're actually real known creatures they're just weird yeah yeah oh yeah so they're not always like these they're not always cr- mythical crypto, cryptozoological or yeah or mm-hmm. mythological, mythological or yeah. uh, or semi mythological because yeah. Bigfoot you might say semi mythological yeah. right because we've never caught one right but there's been sightings since the 1800s yeah and people some people a few people not many yeah. but claim it's really a real I, thing right or they do i i have to say my honest opinion on bigfoot i was really into bigfoot when i was a kid yeah me too um <laughs> you and i have talked about the in search of episode, yes, yes which you said kind of freaked you out yeah it scared me i was about nine years old ten years old and um my thing is is like for such a large organism i can understand you know people are like they find they find you know, species that were unknown until recently. Here's the thing. When they're usually talking about that, they're usually talking about a little tiny tree frog <laughs> or a little tiny, you know, mouse or something mm-hmm. like that, or something that's in the deep ocean. Yes. Something, very remote that we don't explore or, right. or visit very often. Right. Something that's supposed to be as large as Bigfoot, if it is a biological entity, I'm going to explain that in a second. If it's a biological entity... It seems like we would have discovered some sort of um, remains or, yeah. or real solid evidence or somebody yeah. would have hit one with a car. And people in North America have been deep in the woods since yeah. the 1700s. Yeah. The French trappers, right. they'd go all by themselves, which yeah. is insane, yeah. deep into the woods for trapping beaver or yeah. whatever other pelts. Right. So it's been a long history. Yeah. And it seems like we would, they would have ran into a village or, or at least a camp, you yeah. know. I mean, because uh, I think aren't all primates sort of social, like chimpanzees and monkeys yeah, and gorillas know, yeah. and humans? Yeah, they they're all kind of social. So if big feet exist, they seem like they would have some sort I've of— I've heard the plural is Bigfoots. Bigfoots, okay. Yeah, okay <laughs> if, they, if they exist, yeah. uh, it seemed like they would have some social— Right. Like they, a little— pack or gang or right. whatever you call it of like five or so yeah. or more but there's been usually the sightings are, are uh individual yeah right yeah that's true you're right there's yeah i don't and off the top of my head i'm sure there's something but off the top of my head i 
I, I can't recall ever a sighting that I've heard about where it's been more than one. Actually, I have. Yeah, uh, okay. I think it was in the 1920s. I think it was British Columbia. And Is someone said he was kidnapped. He was kidnapped, yeah, and he claimed okay, it was a right. family right, right. of Bigfoots, Bigfoots, plural. Yeah. Uh, a mother, father, and one or two kid yeah. Bigfoot. And he, and he escaped and told the story, right? Or yeah. claimed to. Right. Right. <laughs> and this was the 20s. I mean, yeah. that's a while back. Yeah. So anyway, but but usually, like, the famous uh, Patterson right. film in California, that was a single one. And yeah. A lot of the stories are single right. encounters, right? You know, now what I was alluding to when I said if it is a biological entity is there's a lot of people, and, and I'm getting this fresh off another podcast, so I don't want to steal their what they were talking about, but but this has been talked about for a while. A lot of people who are really into Bigfoots, Bigfoot, <laughs> um, say that perhaps Bigfoot is not, he's like a dimensional, or they yeah. are dimensional creatures where they don't, they just pop into our existence our reality yeah and this is getting pretty far yeah that's getting out there (laughs) but um you know that that's an interesting uh, you know that's an interesting aspect and that that would that explain no physical not or very limited physical evidence exactly exactly um so and then there was another story it wasn't it's not exactly halloween related but it is something that is kind of uh, you know I guess. A little strange. A little strange. And yeah. I just encountered this, I think, yesterday. And this was on Facebook. Yeah. And it was something like a nostalgic news or something. And, you know, they say they put things in your feed that things you might like. Right. And usually I just roll my eyes. But this was really so cool. So this is a Greg algorithm story. <laughs> the Facebook's profiling me as they profile everyone. <laughs> um, you know, they advertise it as they tease it right you won't believe what the army did in 1957 (laughs) anyway that boils down to and i went to the site and a lot of times i go to sites just really quick aside maybe my connection's not great but it's so slow well because they're loaded with advertisements and they're tracking devices and and advertisements and i the the clickbait sites they call it and i just usually kill it i say (laughs) i'm not gonna wait but this was really a responsive site (laughs) oh okay and i was gonna it was fast I, i i click on those things too and i get frustrated because Sometimes what they're what they they tease you and then you have to step through like about twenty pages to get to the thing that often isn't there that you were yes, what you wanted to find out about. It's called Anyways, clickbait. Was this right in the first yes, click? Okay. Yes, and it wasn't. And a lot of those things are the top five yeah, child stars from the sixties who killed themselves. Right. Yes. And yes. it you pressed and next. they show you, they usually show you a picture of somebody who didn't kill themselves yeah. and you're like what? <laughs> yeah. You know. So you click That's through. clickbait. Yeah, There's clickbait. Little, they know psychology or yeah. whatever it is. So anyway that out of the way it was a great site it was responsive and i have a slow connection so if it's responsive for me it's gonna be responsive for everyone and uh they talked about this nuclear test in nevada which is where we've done almost all our nuclear tests since the first the first tests were in um new mexico at the alamogordo no white sands uh, missile range and uh, i think they only did the one test there the original anyway they from then on they started testing in nevada and in the 50s 40s 50s they did a bunch of different tests anyway they decided to do this test and it was kind of astounding to me they said these five men they were like a general a colonel i mean some bigwigs maybe i forget all the ranks but and i think were they army do you remember oh i don't i watched the same thing i think they were army i think they were army. okay anyway these army officers they volunteered or Five. I think it was five. Five of them. And the, the scenario was, hey, we're going to blow up a nuclear bomb at 10,000 feet, a low yield. Yeah. 
and you're going to stand right below it. <laughs> and when I saw that, I thought, man, that's insane. That'll radioact radiation uh, exposure and all that sort of thing. But they got these five volunteers. They have a, which was amazing to me. They have, this was 1957. They have video of it, or they filmed it. Yeah. And film. It's on YouTube, and they have the video on this page. And it was just amazing. And, you know, they described it in the text that these two jet fighters are coming. They're going to fire a missile that's armed with a nuclear warhead. And these guys, it's going to uh, detonate right above the site where these guys are standing. Right. And I thought that was amazing. And, and then I watched the video, and it was exactly that. They show these guys standing, <laughs> and they you see these two. Then they pan to the sky, and you see two fifties era jet fighters coming. One launches a missile, and you see the missile streaking, and it explodes. <laughs> it's a nuclear explosion. It was only a two kiloton uh, warhead, which is very small. Yeah. I think the first nuclear test was something like 18 kilotons. Oh, okay. So this was a very low-yield right. nuclear weapon. Right. And I think the point of it was to show how safe a nuclear weapon yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. But uh, just well, the stuff we did in the 50, you know, 40s, 50s, and 60s is just astounding to me. What I found really interesting, too, is like, I mean, you know, it makes sense. The explosion you know, the, the visual of the explosion, they could see the explosion. And then it took longer than I thought for the, the actual shock wave or sound wave to hit them. Yeah. It took a few seconds, It took right? a few seconds. It just seems interesting how delayed it was. Um, and so 10,000 feet, I saw two numbers in that story. So yeah. I'm not sure one said 18,000 and right. one said 10,000. Okay. 10,000 feet is approximately two miles away. Yeah. 18,000 is like three and a half miles okay. away. Okay. So I, I, I was, confused about it yeah i'm not sure which the it value was wonder i don't know like you know the the radiation i don't know how impacted those guys would have been but it, you know it's funny i just this this just occurred to me now so greg is gonna be hearing this for the first time have you ever heard there was a um john wayne movie called genghis khan it was kind of a bomb it I was think i've a, heard of it, it was a big troubled production from what i've read about it and i don't have the details in front of me but they filmed I think they filmed in Nevada, but they filmed near where military bomb testing had been mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. So uh, what, a, what a lot of people believe, because there was a high, if you look at the people who were involved in the film, because they were filming in all the the, du- the sand and dust and everything mm-hmm. like that. It's a deserty, very deserty yeah. area. And it was, it, they were most likely exposed to dangerous radiation and a lot of people who worked on that film ended up dying of was there testing when they were filming shortly before oh. and right in the area that they they filmed in because the government ropes that off yeah you can look i at mean the, even then i think they yeah you it, weren't allowed to just wander onto a nuclear right. test site well no, i mean they had permission but i think it was so close to the you know oh it, I, look at imdb i did not hear about this yeah, so IMDb that's interesting has the details about all right about well, that all right we'll we'll dig that up and post yeah. the link this is um, gonna be a shorter podcast so we'll, <laughs> we'll post whatever we can um so yeah so uh, you know interesting and and scary and it makes you wonder what happened to those guys you know? oh it's the story oh, said did they tell? Uh, oh, yeah. they all lived to their 70s oh, all right. one guy died in his 60s okay and I don't, th- I don't think if it said if it was from cancer or not, because yeah. the 
the fear when you're exposed to nuclear radiation typically is cancer, right, I believe. Right, yeah. So, no, it sounded like they had normal lives. And two kiloton, I mean, yeah. you don't want to be real close. But, <laughs> you know, if the first one in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, I think it was something like 20 kilotons. So right. two kilotons is – and those are small by today's standards. Yeah. So two kilotons is – you don't want to be too close. But it's right. probably – if you're going to be near a bomb, that's yeah. the one to be nearby. <laughs> So it's it just, like I said, astounded. And what's interesting, you know, I was an environmental engineer in my first career, mm-hmm. and I spent uh, several months working on a project related to Hanford. So I got kind of interested in all the nuclear history, and I read a lot of the history, and I was on site. Right. I was able to, uh, now anyone could go to Hanford, but did, w- did, then you needed special permission. Wasn't Hanford where they actually processed the uranium for the first yes. atomic bombs yes okay. uh, it was hanford and oak ridge tennessee that actually produced the uh materials for the bomb they assembled uh, funny you mentioned that because i just saw uh the movie uh fat man little boy right with paul newman oh yeah yeah the other day yeah and you know they talk about this and they assembled the bomb at los alamos new mexico right. that's where the scientists were doing the calculations but kind of interestingly those were major industrial sites. Hanford and Oak Ridge were uh, large. That's where most they spent most of their money because they had to build these huge buildings. Right. They had to uh, bring the uranium in. They had chemicals. They had all kinds of processes to process the uranium to enrich it. Right. And then uh, they used the reactors there to create plutonium. Right. Well, the reactors enriched uranium and they created a little bit of plutonium. I forget if plutonium was at Hanford or Oak Ridge. But anyway, it's really, you know, we don't think much about nuclear stuff so much anymore, yeah. but it was a big part of our, yeah. um, you know, the Cold War and everything. Yeah. So and you, it's a very powerful, you yeah. know, energy source. Did you see any mutants when you were working there? <laughs> no, but... Or, bi- or Bigfoots? <laughs> no, but I felt like a spy because I passed my secret whatever clearance. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was driving through there in my little sports car. <laughs> I feel like James Bond. <laughs> I was at the nuclear site. But moon. no, I didn't see Break any mutants moon. or anything. <laughs> but um, so anyway, the the nuclear stuff is really, to me, pretty fascinating. Yeah. The, everything that we did, that the Russians did, yeah. the testing we did, yeah. you know, and it's cool to go back just to watch those bomb tests. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And, you well, know, nowadays they would freak out if we did an atmosphere did, test. People used to have, like, in Las Vegas, didn't they used to have, like, you know, atomic bomb parties where people would go and they'd, you know, have some drinks and watch them way out in the desert. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I think you know more about that than yeah. I do, but that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> it was fairly regular. I think yeah. in the 50s, right. they do a test every six months or Jeez. something. I mean, I think it was fairly regular. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, it's it just, it, it amazed me that they had documented this. Right. And uh, to yeah. see a nuclear test like that. Oh, I, I, I know the other amazing. thing I was going to say when he talked about them being right underneath the, um, uh, the explosion is, uh, from what I understand, uh, when the bomb was dropped over Hiroshima, there was um, there were a group of survivors that uh, were in a bank, and it was they were directly under the air explosion of the atomic bomb, and they were all fine. They no, you know, they weren't they weren't hurt at all, and and I, I think a, a monument stands in Hiroshima that they kept. Oh, okay. Because it was intact, and it right. might be that bank you're talking yeah. about. But it's kind of a famous has a dome. The dome has the material. The dome is there, the girders of right. the dome, but the top of the dome is is uh, gone. Yeah. But the uh, building is still there. 
Yeah, hopefully our the the in our secret location a furnace just turned on. So no, Andy, it's not a furnace. It's our nuclear reactor. Oh, okay, our nuclear reactor. Hopefully that won't it, be it's too. It's powering the bunker. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the the survivors uh, when there's an explosion um, of that magnitude or any explosion, there's kind of a cone that goes out, and they believe that these survivors were like in that cone underneath the yeah. explosion. Is there always a cone, or uh, um, you know, I, or does it I'm vary? Dem- maybe it maybe it varies. Maybe it varies. I'm not a demolition expert, but I, I have heard that it was something very similar that um, saved, unfortunately, it saved Hitler's life when the um, the assassination attempt happened when they detonated the bomb. There was something like he was behind because the 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 explosive was right next to him, but he was behind a table leg. There was a table leg in between him mm-hmm. and the explosive device. Yeah, it might have. Uh, so it kind of coned out uh, around the table leg, and he was, you know, relatively unharmed. Wow. Uh, history would have been different. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's not. Yeah, I think that's common. Yeah, but I, I don't know how that works. Yeah, right, but back to Halloween type stuff. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the thing that is everybody's talking about this is no surprise if you listen to this, you know, close to when we actually recorded it. Um, Clowns. Clowns. Creepy, creepy clowns. clowns are a thing now. Yes. And I think I saw my first creepy clown story maybe two months ago. Yeah, it's been kind of trickling. So through. this is mid-October. Yeah. I think it's been a couple months. Yeah. Or... Do you remember where it started? We're, we're not going to no. dig da- down into I don't, the details of this. And but... again, I don't have any resources yeah. in front of me, so we're just I, going by I memory. Know, you know, I, I boy, I, I can't remember where it started, but it spread like crazy. And there was uh, – I was – desperately trying to find it before we started our podcast and i could not find it but one of the famous um the recent famous viral photos was a teenage girl took a picture and there's uh, somebody in a creepy clown costume leaning out of a car window and pointing back at her and it is a creepy picture but the story behind it actually i was telling greg about this is that it was a a kid who has autism who's you know a lot of times autistic uh people are have a a fascination or an obsession with something and his happens to be with uh particularly stephen king's pennywise the clown from it <laughs> and that was his halloween costume but he was so excited about it he wanted to wear it ahead of time and the mom the mom is like okay i won't he'll just wear it on halloween i'm, I'm not because people are getting freaked out about it <laughs> i would say what do you what do you think with this greg you think the, the majority of them are just pranksters who are just running with this whole thing yeah i don't think an actual criminal would want to bring attention to themselves dressing like a evil clown because some of the stories so here here's here's my thing this is what i think the majority of them are i think it's people pranking number one and number two i think it's uh people making up stories uh number three i think it's uh people being hysterical so they think they see something or maybe even you know maybe somebody is just in a clown costume or something like that and they kind of run with it and i think that category you could put like the little kids who are like yeah this clown came up and he offered us candy out of the woods or something i like like greg i find that hard to believe because the the possibilities of you getting caught doing that (laughs) are pretty high and you're going to probably be going to jail, even (laughs) if you're just goofing around. Yeah. I'm I'm sitting here wondering how widespread is this? Like, I'm not sure I've heard of one in Seattle where Um, we are. 
Have you heard of any I, in Seattle? Somebody did tell me that there was something in Washington. I don't know if it was in Seattle. Okay. But so just every – because I'm not even sure every major city in America has this going on. Right. But it does seem to be enough where it gets on – you know, website news. Well, Have you seen any like uh, TV news oh, covering it? Yep, oh, really? Yep. That, that has been because I don't watch news. TV yeah. news much anymore. But yeah. I read the internet, and it's yeah. you know on yeah. <laughs> you know the the news sites. And I think, a, of course, a little of bit. Of course, that's gonna. You know, I have to think back to me and my smartass friends when we were kids. You know, teenagers. I'm talking about. Like, if something like this was going on, maybe not me because I was a good kid. But uh, I can see one of my friends, like, if they had access to something like that, they probably would have participated <laughs> yeah. in this. Yeah. You know, I saw a video on YouTube, and I think it was a, it must have been a setup. Mm. But it was these, like, three evil clowns in a parking garage. Have you seen this? <laughs> no. And I saw another one. That I think they're carrying, like, a baseball bat or oh, something. God. They look like really tough, evil clowns. <laughs> uh-huh. And then they come on a group of, like, tough kids. So, but the way it was filmed and everything, it had to be a setup. I mean, it wasn't just someone, you know, with a shaky cam. It was someone filmed this. So, I think people are running with the genre, like you said, you know. You know, it, it, it's this it, hysterias like this uh, uh, happen periodically, and in fact, there there was a previous to now to the, to these days, there were um, creepy clown sightings in the eighties. Oh, yeah. And I found actually a good, a good article uh, is from a Time magazine, and it's Olivia B. Waxman. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do our standard Rain, Rain City Bunker where I might not hit every quotation. <laughs> We're um, not professionals, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. And I'm, I'll just I'll pick out some parts and leave some other parts. Uh, uh, like for example, she says. And what, what what's this article like overall? Is it just about the it says incidents? The, or? the surprising history behind the scary history. clown history. phenomenon. Okay, yeah, cool. that's why I liked it. And then the subtitle is "Thank Charles Dickens for your clown-filled nightmares." <laughs> um, you know, and they just talk about the um, the the various sightings. Uh, uh, you know, as time is reported, Time Magazine r- rumors of people dressed as clowns luring children into the woods started in late August in Greenville, South Carolina. So that's asked yourself question where it's oh current this current one yeah. So I was right, pretty close. Yeah, and hysteria over creepy clowns has since spread into several states. Uh, many of the sightings are hoaxes, uh, but some have led to arrests. Oh, wow. <laughs> and even inspired college students to embark on a type of witch hunt to nab the culprits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but this, then she quotes this person. It's sort of a misconception to ask, when did clown turns bad, argues Benjamin Radford, author of get this bad clowns <laughs> that's and, the name of his book yeah bad clowns bad clowns and a member i might actually i might actually read that that might be <laughs> kind of cool and a member of the american folklore society quote the notion of clowns as, as good is fairly modern unquote early clowns and related archetypes are mischievous at best like the court jesters of renaissance era and mr punch the violent stick-wielding character from the commedia d'art inspired punch and judy puppet show that dates back to the 17th century. And oh, it goes back that far. Yeah, and is where the term slapstick comes from. They would hit the, oh, each other with the sticks. Oh, my goodness. Andrew Stott, professor of English at the University of Buffalo, concurs that, quote, clowns have always been considered socially marginal, always on the edge of society. Early examples include the fool from Shakespeare's King Lear, who pops up and says painfully truthful things to King Lear, 
delivers apocalyptic language and then disappears with the inference that he's been hung. <laughs> uh, but he argues the very first proper, quote, scary clown, as we know the idea today, can be found in Charles Dickens' uh, 1836 or 37, uh, The Pickwick Papers, where a clown is described as an emaciated drunkard when he's off stage, <laughs> quote, skulking in the lanes and alleys of London. <laughs> his bloated body and shrunken legs, this is just a description, his bloated body and shrunken legs, their deformity enhanced by a hundredfold by the fantastic dress, the glassy eyes contrasting fearfully with the thick white paint with which the face was besmeared, the grotesquely ornamented head trembling with paralysis, and the long skinny hands rubbed with white chalk all give him a hideous and unnatural appearance. Scott or Stott says that Dickens was influenced by the acclaimed English actor Joseph Grimaldi, quote, the guy who invented the whiteface clown, unquote, and the first person to combine that look with, quote, vivid hair and multicolored costume, unquote. Um, under the pen name Boz, Dickens edited the memoirs of Grimaldi right around the same time that the Pickwick Papers was published. Um then he goes on to say that it might not have been Grimaldi, but it could have been the performer Grimaldi's son who became an alcoholic and died after failing to live up to his father's reputation. Uh, and, you know, they say that the character is a blueprint and so forth. Um, in the U.S. In the, in the 20th century, a combination of social and economic factors has caused an evolution of that 19th century idea. Clowns got a boost, says Stott, from the popularity of the traveling big top circus during the golden age of the railroad, which linked successful clowns to the perception of 20th century America at the height of its industrial strength. But as traveling circuses lost their pride of place as a form of entertainment, many clowns lost their platform that created the image of quote clowns being associated with exhaustion or faded glory says Stott who points to Krusty on the Simpsons as an example of a clown <laughs> past his prime and morally financially bankrupt. So, and then, you know, clowns, like when, when Greg and I were in our, our um, childhood, was there's Bozo. Do you remember Bozo the Clown? Yeah, wasn't that the 50s, though? Wasn't that a no, little back that farther? No, when, I don't know about I your, think it were, started in the 50s. It started so. the, probably in the 50s, but there yeah. were regional Bozos. <laughs> and I know there was one in Michigan. Well, we had a famous a one here in Seattle, oh, Andy, yeah, you're J. probably familiar okay. with. Yeah, J.P. Patches. Patches. And he was a very benevolent clown. Benevolent. Yeah. yeah, and beloved, too. Yeah. A lot of people were real. And he... Did he pass away? He passed away recently. He was something like eighty four. And and he and he yeah, was, there was a lot of sadness. And you know, he was a fixture for a long, long yeah, time. Right? Yeah, yeah. He, he, I think his show started the. Jeez, yeah. well, I was watching when I was a kid in the early seventies. Yeah, I think he had been around like at least ten years by then, or maybe longer. Right. But yeah, he was a very yeah benevolent clown. <laughs> so uh, Radford, the guy who wrote Bad Clowns, <laughs> the popularity of Bozo the Clown and Ronald McDonald in the 1950s and 60s reflected the Cold War, Cold War era social anxieties in that Americans were eager for something uplifting and thus wanted an always happy, fun clown. But the child-friendly clown of that era would morph into a threat in the 1980s, a time of, quote, moral panic among parents when high-profile child abductions the numbers of which criminologists criminologists found to be inflated and fears of stranger danger lent a dangerous air to the concept of an adult dressing up to approach the child to approach a child that fear was epitomized and solidified uh by the popularity of stephen king's 1986 horror novel it 
and the subsequent TV movie a- adaptation featuring the evil clown Pennywise. Now, they don't say it in this article. Also, around that time <laughs> was John Wayne Gacy, who – are you familiar with John Wayne Gacy? I remember – was he a killer guy? Yeah, he was a serial killer, killed 33 boys and young men. Oh, that many? Yeah. Wow. From the, was he in Long Island? No, Where was he? Oh, boy, you're going to ask me now, and I oh, don't remember. All right. Um, Doesn't matter. <laughs> and he, he, he did that from the years 1972 to 1978, and then he was arrested. And um, another article I read said the some of the clown stuff that happened in the 80s was about a year after his trial. Mm. And uh, John Wayne Gacy, um, in, his, he, in his normal life, his non-serial killer life, he would play a clown at children's oh, parties gosh. and functions. Oh, and my gosh, really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, I forget what the name of his clown character was. And if I remember correctly, when he was in jail, when he was in jail, he um, painted uh, pictures, uh, portraits of clowns. Oh, jeez. Which people bought for <laughs> lots of money. Oh, my God. Um, so, you know, that was always uh, associated. And... Uh, uh, you remember there was a series of jokes. Oh, I know I can't. I all I remember is the punchline is like getting blood out of the clown suit. That was always the punchline or something. Uh, I, I, I don't I remember. I remember. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, but uh, you know, a lot of people I talk to, Andy, yeah. even when you know, like you said, in the Cold War, we had these happy Ronald McDonald, bozo, benevolent, happy children-oriented right. clowns. I never liked clowns as a child. <laughs> oh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that in a second. Okay. I have, I have okay. a couple theories on this, but this from another another article, a Boston Globe article, is a quote by Stephen King. You know, who created Pennywise the Clown for it. Um, and I thought he had he, he I I love Stephen King, and I, I thought he had a kind of interesting thing to say. This is Stephen King speaking. I suspect it's a kind of low level hysteria, like Slender Man or the so called Bunny Man, which I'd never heard of. We'll have to look that one up. King told the King told the new bleh, King told the news outlet, "The clown fearer will pass as these things do, but it will come back because under the right circumstances, clowns can be really terrifying." <laughs> um, but now what Greg mentioned, so about like even though we had happy clowns, yeah. I still didn't like them. Yeah, and a lot, now, and a lot of people I've talked to. Don't like clowns, yeah, a lot right? of people don't, and uh, that's part of the reason this whole thing is so disturbing because yeah. they never like clowns before. Yeah. Now they're oh, really apparently. Be, quickly before I get into that too, I wanted to ask our guest on our last podcast a year ago was Violet, who grew up in the Navajo reservation, and she's and she's part Hopi if you remember that. And um, I asked her, uh, I asked her about because I, I this is all I knew. I knew that the Hopi had a tradition of the sacred clown. And I was wondering if she had any insight onto that, right? You know, and I, and, you know, to Andy be- knows a lot of amazing obscure stuff. Like <laughs> I had no idea there was a sacred clown in uh, Native American traditions. And um, and you know, I also was like, you know, I I don't expect uh, I don't expect uh, Violet to be to be able to answer every single question about you know Native American culture, but she did know a little bit of something about this. And her answer, this was from a text exchange that we had. She wrote, Hopi clowns are more of a comical thing. They come to the village to make fun of everyone by telling the truth. And then I responded, the truth can be scary. <laughs> and she, LOL, 
just imagine going into your office and calling out everyone for the annoying things that they do. It's kind of like that. <laughs> so, so, but, but in a lighthearted, in sense, lighthearted it way, sounds yes, like yes. yes. And and I think that serves a function to you know that's going back to like the jester. There, clowns can serve a kind of a press pressure release function and comedy for that matter. That's what it does. You know, it's kind of like taking some of these things that everybody is very tense about and making fun of them. So, like terrible bosses in the office, for yeah, example, exactly. or terrible coworkers. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, but at any rate, to talk about what's kind of creepy about clowns is the whole idea of wearing a mask can be kind of creepy. And there's a lot of horror icons from Michael Myers, you know, um, Freddy or not Freddy Krueger, um, Jason from the Friday, the 13th wearing a mask that obscures your features. So you, so you can't read what's on their face yeah. or uh, even, kind of a theme we have going on here because Andy and I are both wearing Star Wars t-shirts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. The Stormtroopers. Stormtroopers, Darth Vader. they're just very anonymous and, yeah. uh, you know, you don't, you don't, they're, you know, when I was a kid and first watched Star Wars, I wasn't sure if they were robots or humans. Right. So it dehumanizes people. It can right. dehumanize people or makes them seem different or other. Yeah. And clown makeup is even, in some ways, is even worse because you have two faces. You have your human face underneath, and then you have the garish clown face on top of that. Mm -hmm. So, which to me is almost creepier. Mm -hmm. And I told, um, I told a Greg, I told Greg, a Greg, I told Greg a story, excuse me, from college that uh, has to do with kind of masks or odd behavior that I think epitomized kind of. this this uh, disquieting aspect of obscuring your features um there was uh and this was a group of you in college right <laughs> right um in the in the area that i lived in in the dorms you know you become friends with groups of people and so forth and uh the people that i was friends with we would eat lunch together at the cafeteria and there was a guy um got you know i don't even remember his name i'm just going to call him bill (laughs) i don't remember his name but i'll call him bill and he had kind of glommed on to our our group and i think he was somebody's roommate i think he was somebody's Mm -hmm. like randomly so there was a connection there was a connection but that was about it and and it was i talked with greg about this one thing that um i'm not super proud of is like i'm definitely not a joiner uh and and i don't in in group dynamics where people are ostracized and stuff is disturbing to me but I have found in a couple of cases in my lifetime where when there's somebody I really don't like, <laughs> I will hop on the group. Yeah. Well, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this guy was just strange and, and would do, he would do things and say things that were, uh, would, would want for one, like really interrupt the flow of like casual conversation. I don't know if you've ever. He met would anybody. change the subject. Change the subject, non-sequiturs. or just say, yeah, non non sequiturs is perfect yeah. because he would he would throw in nonsense and it would just derail conversation and so forth. And everybody was a little um, creeped out by him. Uh, it, you know, the, I, I give my roommate and friend uh, Tim a lot of credit because he he stood up for him and, and defended him and you know kind of advocated for us to be nice to him and right. Um, you know that you know that Tim was awesome that way but i think this one even creeped out tim a little bit 
so it was nearing the end of a of a lunch session that we had and uh you know we were all talking and everything <clears throat> and i noted noticed bill was doing he was ripping pieces of a napkin out right uh you know paper napkin and you thought it was a nervous thing yeah or... i didn't really just thought you know people do things idly you know yeah. just tear up a piece of papers yeah. or twist them or something whatever i do that and um all of a sudden he goes he says Hey, everybody, look! And he had ripped out tiny eye holes and a tiny mouth hole and held the napkin up to his face like a mask and stuck his tongue out through the mouth hole <laughs> and was kind of looking around at everybody going, and kind of went on too long. Uh, Dude, that, I, I, any well, at time, all would be kind yeah, of weird. Yeah, at all is too long. But it went on longer than... He- and we were just we were just all stunned you know what i mean it was just speechless and it was there was something so creepy about it you know i don't i, I can't even well it's the whole mask thing it's the whole mask thing yeah and, and maybe the clown thing too like yeah his face is underneath the napkin <laughs> yeah so um yeah that for me is always a, a and that's when we never saw bill anymore <laughs> Bill uh, broke the social contract to such an extent he was no longer welcome. Yeah, I is that what you said? Did I, I, yeah, I did don't. Did he kind of disappear after that? I think that yeah, we. This guy's a distance. little too strange. Yeah, I'm like you, you know. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But you know, there is that social contract, or if they right. annoy me, or yeah. And at some point, you say, you know, maybe it's best this person isn't right. around anymore. And it is tough when you're in a when you're in a social situation like that. You can't get away. You know what I mean? It's hard. It's yeah. hard. It's yeah. hard to get away. Yeah, you'd have you to know. find new friends to yeah. hang out with. And it's or... like, what are we going to do? Go across campus to another, you know, cafeteria? Yeah, he's... Yeah. Bill will still be at the cafeteria, yeah. right? So exactly. But at uh, any rate, so clowns can be creepy. So now you had mentioned the psychological aspect of it. Um, yeah. So, you know, this, this craze has happened before. And I think I remember the 80s, like yeah. the Tylenol thing. Yeah, and there was just yeah. some abductions and stuff. Yeah. And... I think our sense, I think, the like satanic, you said. The satanic panic, too. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you, like you said, you know, the crime has always been there. But I think in the 70s, we just didn't, you know, yeah. when we were kids, well, we didn't think of it. And it wasn't as pop. It wasn't as uh, well, advertised. It wasn't as newsworthy. The other, the other thing, and, and we've actually covered this in some past Halloween shows, but um, a lot of these things that happened during the 80s were were blown out of proportion. For example, like... Uh, you know, uh, the satanic panic was largely found to be ap- baseless. You know, the idea that there were organized satanic groups right. abducting and killing children or whatever. Um, the Tylenol scare, there were poisonings, but it turned out they were actually um, they were actually somebody's murder that they covered up by poisoning other. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, right. it wasn't it wasn't yeah. random. And or, could it? Well, nowadays. I think because we have hyper information, yeah. internet and yeah. cable. But in the eighties, cable showed up. Do you think it had something to do with the more yeah. information available? Yeah, maybe through it was cable that, You know, television? that's a good point. Maybe it was that sweet spot of like, like uh, the media or or avenues of communication being maximized enough to, for the thing, the rumors and so forth to spread, but not. And, and, and I think the press has sensa- sensationalized many things, but yeah. I think it 
I mean, I don't know for sure. We should read a book on it, but it probably became worse in the 80s. I think the 50s, yeah. 60s, 70s, yeah. news wasn't as sensationalized yeah. as much. Right. I think starting the 80s, like like you mentioned, well, the Tylenol scare and Tylenol stuff. Tylenol scare. Um, and the Cold War was hanging over everything until yeah. about 1990. Yeah, and, it, yeah, and I, think, I think anxieties come out in weird ways. Um, but I was also going to mention, you know, we, we talked about this quite a bit in our Halloween shows and is the the idea of the poisoned Halloween candy was mm, yeah. um, there was an episode I think once again in the seventies but it was a murder it was a murder that uh, uh, somebody murdered their kids for insurance using um, poisoned uh, pixie sticks and said no oh, no these kids some neighbors some neighbors but they figured it out pretty it was quickly the parents? It was, it was oh them. my god or one of the parents wow um, but uh, but there's been no documented case of a kid getting a razor blade or needles or poison from from halloween candy and that being said i think it was late 80s maybe early 90s when kids kind of stopped trick-or-treating they yeah. started going to their churches and yeah. malls and whatever like Began business air, like main street and stuff that year that to the, do trick-or-treating the year that the tylenol scare happened i remember that um or the halloween following that uh, it, it, trick or treating definitely went down. So was that yeah. the late eighties? I no, early no early eighties. Early eighties was the time. Okay. Thing. I mean, it continued. Yeah. People went yeah. on, and you know. But I think it slowly changed because you yeah. know, like when I was a kid, I don't remember churches or malls giving out candy. But right. at some point, that started happening. Yeah. And uh, that's what I think most kids do. I still get yeah, some trick so. or treaters. Yeah. yeah. I don't get all. But the psychology of it. Um, we are going through kind of a, an interesting time in our history, right? There's yeah. the ongoing anxiety with terrorism, which is kind of a absolute low threat, but it it's still gets publicity, that it. sort of thing. Yeah. And our internal politics are very divided. Yeah. So this could be, I think you were explaining this, yeah. kind of a manifestation of societal tensions and yes. fears and anxieties, yes. right? right? And so these clowns are kind of like... <laughs> A manifestation, sort of, that's or kind of, an yeah, outburst. That's, uh, yeah, that's kind of my my thinking. Yeah, and it is interesting, you know. And the, have you read any articles about that? I, I there was one, like I said, I wish I could find it again, but there was this one folk, folklorist that said um, that these kind of things happen, you know, during times of t- societal tension. tension. Yeah. So I wonder, thinking about it in that way, yeah. what were the most tense years of the Cold War? Probably the Cuban Missile Crisis, the early sixties, yeah, yeah, right? Yep. There was, I mean. We that really was kind of a, a rough yeah. spot, and uh, I, I, and the press covered it, but I don't right. think we knew how close things were to going right. really bad. But I wonder if there's some correlation. Was there like some s- weird stresses I, in the I early sixties? So was that when bomb shelters became most popular? Or um, that sort of oh thing? yeah, well definitely. When you look at the horror genre, horror movies, there were a lot of movies. The horror genre, I've, I've, I'm not original in coming up with this, but. Uh, I agree with it that it often ref- horror genre books, movies, um, what have you, television shows reflect the anxieties of what's going on in the culture at that time. Um, and definitely during the sixties, during the, there's even a movie about this. Uh, I wish I, it has John Goodman in it or whatever, but it's, it, it's, it's a family that's going through the, the Cuban missile crisis anxieties. And it's about, this guy, it's semi-biographical about the, this guy who created a lot of those, like, Attack of the Atomic Zombie type movies. Well, Godzilla. Godzilla, <laughs> I love, yeah. I've always loved Godzilla movies since oh, yeah, I was a kid. Yeah. And that was an anxiety of the uh, Japanese, the, the whole, because they were the yeah. 
victims of the first bombs right. and you know nuclear reactors were yeah. being built and that sort of thing but um yeah it it, it always uh you know these kind of things they reflect if you want to know what's going on what people are anxious about look at horror fiction yeah whatever whatever form it comes in um like i said to you i think i said to you before like it was interesting to me that that following 9-11 uh movies about americans abroad being captured and tortured like hostile yeah you know i've never that, seen those with the hostile there's a couple of those movies right, right? that kind of so thing. they're like uh tourist american young american tourists yeah. in europe and they get yeah, yeah you know caught those, and those sort of things. bad things happen yeah and you know and uh, you know kind of apocalyptic movies and so forth and what is interesting is it uh the stephen king story is coming out as a movie um it was a tv miniseries with tim curry as the pennywise clown but uh, they're redoing it as a movie, huh. um, and that should be coming out soon. Um, oh. Yeah, and I think it even has one of the kids from Stranger Things uh. <laughs> in it. So weird connection to the eighties. Uh, but um, yeah, so yeah, so this clown thing could be. I mean, no one plans this thing. I don't imagine. Maybe no. someone came up with the idea, but the way it gets copied and kind yeah. of continues on. Right. And is it ongoing as of like? today are there still so. things happening still they're still citing you know could, sightings could this go on i mean another yeah, month or two do you think fa- i think stephen yeah. king was right i think i think it'll fade a couple just months like any, three yeah. months and it just kind of goes think away about this greg particularly as we head into the winter months who's gonna want to hang out in a cornfield because the video <laughs> the video i saw was some like clown popping out of a cornfield and these these kids were you know, videoing it from the their car, you know, and he's <laughs> running after the car and stuff. And oh, I, it, it feels to me like they, they kind of set it up, but... Just the weather will make it Yeah, yeah. Improbable. Who's going to want to hang out in a clown Maybe suit? in Hawaii we'll get a couple <laughs> things still. <laughs> but, uh, you know, these, these things pass. These things go on yeah. and people become interested in other stuff. And I'm not too alarmed myself. I no. don't... I'm not fear that I, a clown will pop out of a alley yeah, or anything. I, I will say, I mean, I haven't done much this year, but I'm a type of person that likes to walk around at night. You know, I walk my dogs at mm-hmm. night and everything. I do have to say, if somebody just kind of came out of the woods in like a creepy clown costume, that would be freaky. <laughs> I would not be like, oh, uh, that's funny. Yeah. You know, I, I would be, I would be a little, I would be nervous. You'd be ready yeah. to defend yourself. Yes. And my vicious yeah. Yeah. dogs would protect me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all 10 pounds of them yes well i think that's yeah. about it so that's a kind of a creepy way to wrap up our uh, halloween episode it's been a year uh we say this every time but hopefully we won't go a year yes. we used to shoot for like every six months and yeah. now i guess we want to try this, to do it more than once a year hopefully this this bunker will be a little bit have a little bit more of a semi-permanent setup so we can just do it at any time we want yes yeah so uh that's it happy halloween everyone enjoy the fall don't get too creeped out when you're out there trick-or-treating happy halloween (laughs) happy halloween and that does it for episode 29 we're in city bunker